The Electronic Intifada. Intifada. Intifada Electronic. The Electronic Intifada. El Intifada This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows Friedman with the Electronic Intifada podcast. A group of professional basketball players from the U.S. are on a propaganda tour in Israel this week, organized in part by Israeli-born NBA player Omri Caspi in an explicit attempt to fight the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Anti-Palestinian right-wing extremist and major political bankroller Sheldon Adelson has dished out the assist, flying the group out on his private jet. In The Nation magazine on Monday, award-winning political sports writer Dave Zirin wrote an open letter to NBA players about the I Can't Breathe shirt that players wore last season during warm-ups. Zyron says the shirts were worn to commemorate the last words of Staten Island's Eric Garner and protest his death at the hands of the New York Police Department. It was a brave act, a link in the chain, which aligned some of the NBA's biggest stars with the Black Lives Matter movement. Of course, as Zyron points out, this epidemic of killings has been aggravated by the influence of Israeli police practices on U.S. policing. Since 9-11, police chiefs and high-ranking officers from across the U.S., from Ferguson to New York City, have traveled to Israel for training in the arts of suppression. I'm delighted to bring on Dave Zirin to talk about all of this. Dave is the sports editor of The Nation. He's the author of eight books, including most recently Brazil's Dance with the Devil, the World Cup, the Olympics, and the Fight for Democracy. And he's the host of the incredibly popular podcast, Edge of Sports, where sports and politics collide. So happy to talk to you, Nora. Thanks, Dave. It's so great to welcome you to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Um, your initial thoughts on Sheldon Adelson flying these NBA players out to propagandize for the apartheid state. Uh, and, and the NBA is organizing some so-called charity events there as part of its NBA Cares program. Uh, you mentioned yeah. just yeah, you mentioned that Rudy Gay, one of the players, ended up not boarding the plane for reasons we don't know yet, but the other players are there. What's the real point of this trip? Yeah, I mean, the real point of this trip is very explicit. I'll give Sheldon Adelson and uh, Israeli NBA player Omri Caspi all the credit in the world for being utterly transparent in why this trip is happening. And a lot of uh, no credit, is that a phrase, a lot of no credit, to the NBA for obfuscating their role in all of this. So Omri Caspi is, of course, being totally transparent. He has something called the Omri Caspi Foundation, and its whole existence is to fight the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Omri Caspi has shown himself to be absolutely forthright in his beliefs of Israel as, uh, as not just a state, but as its right to uh, dominate and control the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. If you go back and look at his tweets during last year's bombing of Gaza and his very active role in condemning, shaming, going after uh, NBA player Dwight, really whipping up hatred against fellow NBA player Dwight Howard for tweeting the phrase Free Palestine as the bombs were dropping um, and pushing Dwight Howard to, to backtrack on a tweet, on a two-word tweet. I mean, you really do get a sense of what Omri Caspi is all about and what his politics are. Sheldon Adelson, of course, as well, is, is no mystery. We know who Sheldon no. Adelson is. Uh, we know what he's about, and we know what he's trying to do. What's disturbing about this is that you have NBA Cares, which is uh, supposed to be a charity organization, something that brings NBA players around the world to do clinics. They've done a ton of work, particularly in the Global South, 
And it, it's, it's in a weird way, it's kind of like athletic missionary work in that it's trying to spread the gospel of the NBA. But at the same time, I have to say, I've spoken to a lot of players who have made these trips and they come back changed. It can be a very dramatic experience to you know, meet with uh, children who really have nothing and see that you can make the light shine in their eyes just by showing up and doing some plays. That's not what's happening in Israel. Uh, they're, they're doing very high-end clinics, uh, and, um, and NBA Cares is putting its stamp on it. Now, why is NBA Cares, why is the NBA uh, working so closely with Sheldon Adelson and Omri Caspi's foundation? I mean, this is a question that I think demands answers because the NBA always likes to act like it's somehow above politics. Uh, yet this doesn't look like, I mean, you say, say what you want about Sheldon Adelson. No one will believe that he is above anything, uh, let alone politics. Well, let's see if you can comment a little bit more on that. And especially the irony that we have here with the commissioner, Adam Silver, who made his bones advocating for the expulsion of a racist team owner, Donald Sterling, who, as, as you pointed out, is now aligning himself and the NBA organization and NBA CARES with a racist fanatic like Sheldon Adelson and, of course, you know, the racist policies of Israel. Um, well, I mean, it, it, it exposes so dramatically um, the double standard that exists when it comes to how Palestinians are treated and seen. Um, I have a friend who's a transgender activist, and uh, he always says to me that the T in LGBT um, might as well just be stand for, you know, the first thing that gets taken away anytime, first thing to get negotiated away every time you talk about LGBT rights. And it can often seem like when speaking about anti-racist struggle that the desires, the aspirations, the liberation of Palestinians is the first thing to be shunted aside as well. And this is an example of this. I mean, Adam Silver has spoken out actually uh, for why he thinks the Black Lives Matter movement is important. Uh, the, and, of course, as you mentioned, his, his role in ridding the NBA finally of Donald Sterling. And yet, according to some reports, I'm trying to confirm this, he, quote-unquote, gave this trip his blessing. And the big contradiction here, though, above all else, as you said in the introduction, is that so many NBA players aligned themselves with the Black Lives Matter movement last fall, including uh, the Sacramento Kings team, where Omri Caspi uh, now is on the roster. And th there's, there's a huge problem with that, and not just because if you're against racism in one place, you should be against racism everywhere, although, of course, that's very true on a large, abstract, global solidarity level, but because of the influence Israeli policing practices are having throughout the United States, the ways in which um, Israel has turned uh, its ability to police, control, surveil, the Palestinian population and the Ethiopian Jewish population and the African refugee population and using their ability to do that um, and exporting it, using it as a commodity and selling it to the rest of the world. That's really frightening. And, and I, I saw this firsthand when I was in Brazil covering the World Cup and saw all of the Israeli technology and spoke to people and interviewed people in the government who talked about the way um, Israel really sold their ability uh, to surveil the Gaza Strip as an argument for why Brazil should invest billions of dollars in Israeli equipment so they could do the same surveillance during the World Cup. 
And that was my first introduction to the influence of Israel as using it as using their ability to surveil and suppress as an export commodity. And it's really since that time um, I've learned about the terrific research others have done that really exposes the way that Israel has become, in the words of uh, former Deputy Capitol Police Chief Terrence Gaynor, uh, the, the Harvard of anti-terrorism for police officers in the United States. So it, it, that contradiction is just too much to bear. Um, we've seen it firsthand in Ferguson and in Baltimore, the use of paramilitary equipment as a way to suppress dissent and suppress the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, we first really saw it in the Occupy movement in 2011, and, and now we're seeing it just you know ratcheted up another level uh, this past year with just the epidemic spike in police killings. And, and so just the idea that players can go to Israel and support Omri Caspi's efforts to fight BDS and then come back and say Black Lives Matter, I mean, that's just a contradiction that's too deep. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Visit us online at electronicintifada.net or follow us on Twitter at Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. Intifada Electronic Intifada. We're speaking with Dave Zirin, political sports writer and uh, podcast host of Edge of Sports. Um, Dave, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the intersection between Black Lives Matter and Palestine solidarity activism. Um, you've written extensively about the rebirth of the activist athlete, especially in the last year. Do you think there are professional athletes out there who might be willing to take a strong stand for Palestinians' rights at this point? Well, there have been in the past. I mean, first and foremost, um, it's a different question when you're talking about the United States versus Europe. I mean, because you have seen um, major, major uh, soccer players who are really, let's, you know, people in the U.S. don't want to admit this, but these are some of the most famous athletes in the world. Uh, people uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo, people like uh, the other Ronaldo from Brazil, uh, and very strongly uh, soccer star Eric Katona. I mean, th these are people who have stood up strongly for the rights of Palestinian people. Um, and, of course, there, there's this whole movement called Red Card Israeli Apartheid that uh, is connected to Israel's place in the, the, the European wing of FIFA, of international soccer. Uh, but when it comes to the United States, I mean, that, that's actually much more, much more difficult, um, much more difficult to find athletes who, who really are willing uh, to speak out and say something, even just in basic solidarity for Palestinian rights, because when they have, I mean, they've been thoroughly punished. And I've spoken to athletes off the record who have used phrases like not worth the trouble uh, when it comes to that. And you really get the sense of what it's like if you aren't ready for it, uh, about what it's about people's fears about being besieged um, in such a way. But at the same time, I mean, what athlete is more revered than Muhammad Ali. And as I'm talking to you, I'm actually staring at a picture uh, that I did this book. It's out of print if people can find it. It's called the Muhammad Ali Handbook. And there's this amazing, we found this full color picture from the mid-1980s of Muhammad Ali at a Palestinian solidarity rally. Uh, and he's standing there next to like a very small child who's putting up two peace signs who's on his father's shoulders. And he's got a kafiyah on. And so... So it's it's one of those selective Muhammad Ali memory things, mm -hmm. where everybody reveres Muhammad Ali, but don't want to say that he uh, believed in Palestinian liberation. 
And, you know, that's, that's a history worth reviving. Um, I've certainly heard athletes speak out sympathetically, certainly during Gaza, uh, what happened there. But it, it, it is absolutely a, a very, very difficult thing to do to, to push athletes who see themselves as activists to take a stand on this issue. Yeah, there's a, there's a culture that demands total silence on Palestine there. Yeah. Um, and, and also exacts a price when that silence is broken. Absolutely, and and that's that's something that's um that's 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 very difficult, especially if people feel like that they're risking what tend to be very short-lived, uh, but very lucrative careers with a lot of people uh, looking to them in their own family and community as a form of, of sustenance. Uh, it becomes even more difficult, but you know that's what sacrifice is, frankly. I mean, that, that's what, that's why the word sacrifice means sacrifice. You know, everybody, you know that expression, everybody loves money. That's why they call it money. Well, you know, the whole thing about sacrifice is that it actually requires sacrifice. Exactly. Um, you know, back to the propaganda tour of Israel here, you know, I'm sure they won't be meeting with Palestinian athletes who have been jailed or injured or killed or who had their stadiums and fields bombed by U.S.-made Israeli F-16s, or you know, with Palestinians who have been targeted and taunted by the violent fans of Beitar Jerusalem, uh, Israel's ultra-racist soccer team, whose coach has said that he won't bring on an Arab player out of respect for his club's racist fans. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. they won't meet with African refugees. He mentioned languishing in detention camps in the Negev. But if you were to organize this tour, who would you have them meet, and what kind of delegation would this be? Oh my God, if, if I was organizing this tour, I mean, the first trip would be to Ramallah um, to speak um, to Palestinian um, athletes and soccer associations and basketball, which is huge in Palestinian culture. Um, and so to, to actually engage and speak with people. And if I like, cause, you know, that's the thing is that we're, we're collectively so ignorant on this issue. Um, I would go and, and tell the players I was with to just ask a ton of questions and do a lot of listening and learn what it's like to, to be Palestinian in the West Bank. And then I would try to make the effort to go into Gaza and see if the check, I mean, the checkpoint stopped Ronaldo a decade ago when he was the most famous soccer player on earth from going into Gaza. Um, I'd be curious if they would stop, stop Western NBA players from going in. Uh, that would be an interesting thing to to see, and I, I would encourage players that this is something that, on principle, we had to try to do: is go in and see Gaza and speak to people. And if we got through, um, we would want to do the same thing. I mean, we would want to visit the fields that had been damaged. We would want to speak to uh, players who had spent time in prison, and we would want to learn the actual facts on the ground and not the facts as they're presented. I mean, because otherwise, what's really the point of traveling there? I mean, what's the point of travel, period, if you're not trying to get some sense of the actuality of people's lives? So this isn't like a real tour at all, what's happening now. It's a, it's a series of set pieces aimed at buttressing uh, the aims of Sheldon Adelson and the foundation of Omri Caspi. And I think NBA players can do a whole lot better than the current tour that they're on. And you can read Dave Zirin's open letter at uh, The Nation magazine. Dave Zirin, as always, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for all you do and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Nora, for your work. 
And that's it for the Electronic Intifada podcast. For news, information, cultural features, and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net. You can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and on behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening.